Episode 30, How Evil Are You? Karma Will Educate You. Welcome to Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast that explores how ancient wisdom, a practical perspective, and deep truth can empower you to live your best life. In this episode, Taoist master Michael Steenrod describes how working with karma is really the best way to understand the power of choice including evil. After all, the universe is made of choice. To set out to accumulate karma, your actions must be consistent. That's really the only, the only rule. As you start to do that, karma will educate you. Uh, so you'll do something you thought was incredibly good only to find out that you actually did evil for the first time in your life, uh, like significant evil. Or you'll set out to do something you thought was just outrageous and off the wall and suddenly find out, oh, hey, that had good points to it. You just, you pursue consistency. You have a natural ability to know those things anyway. You, you just make a decision and you start going for it and the act of doing it will educate you. You just start wherever you're going to start. So, yeah, in, your, in the beginning, you're really learning consistency of action and you're learning what the nature of karma is. Uh, you won't accumulate a massive amount of karma at that time. You're just learning the process. Uh, and uh, as for seeing the choice structure, if you do the first six practices, you will activate your natural ability to see the choice structure. Uh, and it will occur in an entirely unintended way, usually stupidly. And it'll be fantastic and it'll be a complete waste. You'll like sit down to order Chinese food and realize the elaborate net that surrounds your order of Chinese food. And you'll see it stretch out before you in the huge span of infinity and go, you know, I really should be doing something with this. And then it'll disappear. And that'll be enough for you to know that it actually exists. Uh, then eventually you'll be able to feel the tension of it as you go through. Uh, and it will almost be like uh, having the, the nets already inside of you. You can just track the lines in your head. You can actually feel their movement and go from there. And uh, For most people, their first insight is visual. It comes up as some sort of visual stimulation of the visual centers in your brain so you can actually physically see the, the choice structure. Uh, and, uh, but when you get past that need, what you do is you feel the movement of the net as you go along. So, and if you want to explore it into the future, you can do that too. Because you have a right to assert your own choices. Uh, the choices are competitive by nature, uh, but that's just taken into consideration. If you're worried about a path to evil, as you begin to pursue the path, you will start to come to understand the, the true nature of evil. Uh, and uh, what that really boils down to is the, the willful extinguishment of choice structure. Uh, and uh, that's a whole different issue than choice structures competing. Like most people aren't capable of evil simply because uh, what they regard as evil is actually crazy, uh, which is a whole different thing. The second thing is, is that um, you have to be consistent. Uh, and most humans so most people are in what? The karmic nursery. The karmic nursery is where your actions or the consequences of your actions don't really matter, just like in any nursery. If you're throwing poop at somebody, you know, you're bad for the day and they stick in the corner. Uh, if you're really nice, you're nice for the day and they put a little hat on your head. But it's the nursery. It doesn't really matter. Uh, if you want out of the nursery, then you have to uh, 
do the things that come with being out of the nursery so that you're actually taken seriously. Uh, at that time, your, your choices have gradually increasing power and gradually increasing effect and responsibility. So you're held accountable for what you do. The reason that people are in the nursery is that during the day they do a little good, they do a little neutral, and they do a little evil. The sum total of that is zero or slightly evil, because most humans are slightly evil. They can't be evil evil. So they can't be deliberately evil. Yeah, they're like 0.2 evil. Like on a scale of uh, plus 10 to minus 10, they're, they're 0.2. They're ever so slightly evil. Uh, and uh, just enough to make them vulnerable to not being able to make decent choices. Okay, evil for Taoism isn't represented by a, a pole of influence. Uh, basically, uh, there are three karmic poles. There's a plus, a zero, and a minus. And that's really the way uh, more advanced practitioners think about them. But initially, the plus is good, the zero is neutral, and the minus pole is evil. Uh, so many of the things we think of as being evil fit into the evil pole in general. Many of them don't, but a large chunk of, of them fit in there. Uh, basically, your ability to make choices that have power is dependent on how much you accumulate in any one of those poles. You can only accumulate in one of the poles at one time. Okay? If you undertake consistent evil action, what happens is you acquire evil power. Uh, and so you become consistently more powerful in the vein of evil. Uh, and the same thing in the vein of good, if you, or if you consistently accumulate in the vein of good, then you acquire good power. If you could consistently accumulate within neutral, then you acquire neutral power. To understand what evil is, we have to understand what accumulates karma. Karma is accumulated by your interaction with others, your environment and with yourself. So how you treat yourself, uh, including just you as a person, and also how you interact with sense information determines how you accumulate karma. So karma is not a reward for, you know, giving somebody a chocolate bar. Uh, and it's also not hugely complex. It's not, well, what if four generations later it produces this? It's not that hard. Uh, but you have to work within uh, the poles to see what's accumulating when. Now, the neutral pole is the most difficult because it's the most internal. It's mostly about how you address or work with sense information. And that's, that's a difficulty because you sit back and, well, how can how I treat sense information be evil? Well, it can be. You, you have to go into it and go from there. With the Taoist karmic system, is, is it's not simple, uh, meaning that as you get into the pole and you start working with it, you can see what the interactions are going to be and then you start preferring actions in that pole and you accumulate power there. There isn't a list. If you were to just follow a list, like if, if you want a like general gu guideline of how to accumulate good, just be a Buddhist. Most of the time, most of the stuff you do will be good. Uh, so you'll accumulate more good than you will anything else and so you'll be at a net positive gain. Okay? You'll still end up doing some evil, but you'll still be at a net positive overall. If you want neutral, you have to go into the mind disciplines uh, and really study the in-depth meditation, the, the art of stillness, different things like that. And the reason is, is because while we are acting, 
outward. Karma is really accumulated by what you do with the structure and interaction of choice. That's where the karmic values are assigned. It's just that we experience those as particular actions and particular feedback from our actions. Okay. But the real mechanic, the real driving piece of it is what's happening with the choices as they interact. And you can influence choice without doing anything physical. You just can't do that in the beginning. Uh, that's why both the neutral pole is the most difficult to understand and the most powerful. Well, there's a limit to which we can go with speech. The rest is practice. And uh, uh, that's the big thing about it. So. In meditation, you can also accumulate good. It depends on what you do within the meditation. You know, if you're going for the good pathway and the neutral pathway and you're accumulating in those areas, uh, it works out well. So. Uh, the Buddhists do actually a lot of good-oriented meditation. Yeah, so you're interacting with your sense information in a certain way and you're favoring a choice structure. See, part of it is that we have to move away from the concept of karma as being a reward system. Uh, where you're being benefited by something. Uh, it's really how you interact with stuff that determines it. That's the great difficulty of, of working with the karma at an intellectual level. Meaning if you're thinking about it, it's very difficult. If you're doing it, it's very easy. Uh, so that's why I'm, I'm steering everybody towards the actual doing of it. Like if we, if we worry about the thinking of it, then we start getting into the theory, how is the universe constructed, different things like that. Here's how the universe is constructed. The universe is actually made up out of choice. That's why it's so important. That's why how you treat your sense information is so vital. However, that knowledge is completely useless to anybody doing something uh, because it's not something you do anything with. It's a reason why things work, but it's not what you do to make them work. Uh, is that understandable? So it's like it's the reason why your car goes forward, but it's not the same thing as sitting in there and driving around. You can drive your car and not understand how the car works. Okay? Just like you can understand how a car works, yet not be able to drive. What I would suggest uh, is to work on building positive power. As if you encounter anything that will stop you, it will be in the failure to recognize uh, positive power. Uh, I mean, the, the fact is, is that Taoism is driven by meditation. However, meditation can be moved in a lot of ways. So the, the calm that comes from meditation, it's a natural outgrowth of the mental states that's created by it. Given that, I still recommend that people spend most of their time with positive power. And the reason for that is that it will give you the ability to act uh, more than any other thing will. Uh, and positive power, basically, uh, to provide you with an illustration, and all I can do is provide you with illustrations. Again, it's not a guideline. Positive power is, let's say, uh, you're on a desert, you're on a nice tropical island. On the island is what? A smoking hot volcano on one side, next to a sewage plant. Okay. <laughs> also, there's a beach on the island, a nice sandy beach, Lobsters walk up, they cook themselves, fish flip into pots for you, all those things. Both are on the island. Okay. You choose where you build your house. It can be on the smoking hot volcano, next to the sewage plant, 
or it can be on the beach where the lobsters flip into the pot. (laughs) Now you make that choice every single day. You don't deny the existence of the volcano and the sewage plant, but you choose where you build your house because one is more useful to you than the other. The fact is, is that humans, positive power is not an alien thing to humans, it's how humans operate. It's how your natural capacity comes out. So even if a person is having difficulty with calm or needs to work their way through meditative training or any one of those particular things, you can still gain great benefit from just working with positive power. And that's not a couple of, of quick things. It's not every cloud has a silver lining because every cloud doesn't have a silver lining. You know, Some clouds are just smoking hot volcanoes. It's just the way it is. But you don't live there. So even if 99 things during the day are completely horrible, there were probably one or two good things within that day. You're alive. You walked. Uh, you breathed something nice. You existed. Usually the, the, the list far exceeds simple existence. So, uh, and, uh, and you find that as you go through. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, uh, and that's exactly what uh, positive power builds for you is that awareness of where the positives are. And what happens is that it fundamentally changes the way you begin to interact with the world. Uh, and you will see different opportunities, in particular you will see opportunities where there were none before, uh, and you will undertake actions when before you would have been paralyzed. Uh, And that's simply because hot lava is always hot. That's really the thing. Sewage is always smelly. You have to make a conscious effort to build your house there. Are you denying the existence of the other? No, it's just that you are not benefited by building your house there. You just don't build your house there. And as soon as you start building your house in a favorable position, you start doing that with everything. Why is that? It has something to do with the way that humans are built. We're just built to favor that position. We act with greater capacity when we are within that positive situation. So positive power isn't walking around being cheerful all the time. It's occupying with your, yourself with the things that in fact went well or that you have gratitude for. It's not that other bad things didn't occur or that you're ignorant of them. It's just you can't live there. They're going to occur every day. So where do you live? Uh, you live where the positive is. You live, you know, I mean, you grow a plant in the things it needs to grow. Uh, you don't toss it into the volcano and then blame it for not growing. And it's a matter of, hey, uh, you just put that shrub in a big thing of hot lava. Yeah? Well, it should grow faster. And again, it's one of those things you look at and you just think, well, that's just crazy. And the reason for that, it's just crazy. Uh, So I would have to say out of the first tier practices, probably getting positive power down is more important than anything else. We hope you're enjoying this episode of Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast. If you're looking for more resources on Taoism, please visit thedaoismforthemodernworld.com. Now, back to the program. Uh, And then the next thing would be to start working with hygiene. And hygiene is the control of sensory information. So if we take an example of this, 
most uh, religious systems spend a great deal of time controlling hygiene because it's one of the easiest things to control. So if you go into a church, for example, it's filled with reminders of what church practice is like. Your senses are inundated with reminders of, of those things. In general, what the principle of hygiene is this. What you put in strongly influences what you get out. So it's the control of in and out flow. If you do nothing but put negative into a person, you're generally going to get just negative out of the person. If you do nothing but put positive in the person, you will tend to get positive out of the person. Now, hygiene does not change the power of will. That's the thing to keep in mind. But it can exert a tremendous influence over those factors as you go along. And you yourselves can create and control your own hygiene. So if you want to favor one particular set of outcomes, what do you do? You set out to alter your environment so that it reminds you of those outcomes. Uh, so that the activities in those outcomes are a constant reminder to you. Now, is it going to do all the work for you? Well, no. But you're getting as many easy things on your side as you possibly can. It's kind of like if a person's a drug addict, it's really hard for them to hang around with other drug addicts and be clean. And the reason for that is, is the hygiene. You're, if you constantly are exposing to one series of activities and one type of choices, it's hard to develop other choices as you go through. You just have to flip yourself into a different hygiene. And that shouldn't be a hidden process. It should be a matter of uh, things that are clearly talked about. And Because if you're looking at changing beliefs so that you can alter behavior and alter choice, where are you going to start impacting it? Easiest place you can start impacting that is at the level of hygiene. Uh, so you tell the person deliberately, you need to set these things up. Well, why do I need to? So that you'll actually remember to do it. Uh, so that when times get bad for you, you can just sit there and look at it and go, yes, this reminds me to do that. Are you going to win it every single time because of hygiene? Well, no. But at least you'll have a positive pressure on you to move in the direction that you want. And hygiene can be positioned anywhere because humans have a great capacity to, to change. So you can have stupid hygiene or you can have good hygiene. Uh, and really, you know, the reason it's called hygiene is because it functions the same way as physical hygiene. Uh, you know, you put some things in your body holes and different things come out of your body holes. And then you have to deal with it. That's hygiene. Uh, same thing with your senses. Uh, you can control your sense information. It's among the easiest things you can control. And what I tell people is oftentimes when they're setting out to do something, and I start, and it's like, well, you know, if you actually want to do this, you need to do this and this and this. Uh, and I'm not telling them to do things. I'm telling them to get stuff and put it around. They're like, oh, I don't need to do that. As soon as they start working with that, oh, I don't need to do that, what my brain says is they don't actually want to do this. Because uh, they're, they're meeting with what? They're unwilling to change the simplest thing and unwilling to create an environment that will favor what they are setting to, out to do. <laughs> what that means is, is they are avoiding the lowest level of influence for accomplishing the goal that they want. Instead, they want to undertake something that makes them feel like they've done something and then failed at it. They've, in fact, created their own failure. 
Uh, and instead of sitting back and going, well, I want to do blah, blah, blah. Well, buy this and this and put it in your house. And it's like, is it going to magically make me do it? No, but you're going to have to look at it, aren't you? Uh, you're going to have to look at it every single day. It's just going to stare at you. You've got no choice but to deal with it. Uh, and, uh, and you're either going to look at it and go, why did I buy that? At least it reminded you, didn't it? That's why you bought it. You know, that's why you put it up there. You want it to have a great deal of impact on you? Spend two months worth of salary on it. It'll have a tremendous impact on you. You just look at it going, Oh, what's going on here? I can't believe I did that. Why did I do that? Oh yeah, that's why I did that. It may take you two years of looking at that thing for it to have the type of influence you want on you. So you're just sitting there and it's just looking at you. It's like, oh yeah, that's why I bought the gold Buddha. That's why I bought the gold this. That's why I bought the gold that. You know, that's why I bought that. It's like, why'd you buy that big ugly dragon car? Because <laughs> it's a big ugly dragon car. Now I've got to drive around in it. So, 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 that's what I recommend for doing. Uh, to start off with. The last thing that I want to uh, touch on is the area of invocation. Okay, invocation is really simple at its, at, it's always really simple, I guess. It's the repetition of statements. You'll find that the second tier of activity is in fact the first tier of activity only focused in certain ways and at a higher level. Invocation is an application of hygiene. Okay. Funny how that just rolled around magically like that. Okay. So it's a repetition of a phrase. In other religions, its analog or its comparison is uh, prayer, so it overlaps into prayer. Okay. There are three invocations to start off with. Okay, the first one is gratitude. Oh yeah, blessing. Second one is blessing. Third one is ward of evil. Or I should say ward against evil. Gratitude is you simply spend time repeating what you are grateful for. Uh, and this is used for a lot of... Oh, by the way, with invocation, if we were to look at it as an issue of prayer, and in fact, if you work within the systems that use the Taoist uh, deity or saint systems, uh, it is usually an invocation of a particular god or a saint. Uh, those can be handy. It can be combined with all sorts of things. If you want to, you can invoke your cat. It doesn't really matter. Uh, what you are really invoking is what? If you're praying to something, it's what? If it were the Tao, who is the Tao? You are the Tao. Who are you praying to? Yourself. You are invoking your own self, your own nature as you go through. So if you want to, to roll back around to hygiene, and I've mentioned this before, you can set up a little altar with a picture of yourself on it, make some offerings, and go, oh, mighty Mike, will you grant me blah, 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 and just work it that way. 
Then, if you don't like your actions, you can smite yourself <laughs> or provide yourself with rewards. It's up to you. So you just put a photo of yourself up. So. Now, with gratitude, what basically you start going through and you're repeating things that you're grateful for. If it's just one thing, you can keep repeating it. Eventually, you'll get bored and you'll start repeating other things in there, too. And part of the reason of doing this is, one, to point out all the things that you're grateful for. Two, is to help you get out of the nursery, believe it or not. Uh, and the rationale behind that is that nobody likes an ungrateful person. It's just the way it is. You know, Expressing gratitude is part of growing up. Uh, and if you are grateful, the Tao tends to look at you slightly more seriously as you go along. It's like, well, at least they're grateful now. Uh, I guess we can step up from McDonald's and go to Sizzler. Okay. Uh, and so you work through there. The next issue is if you start coming across things that you're absolutely not grateful for, and I'm not talking about not being thankful for something. There are plenty of things I'm not thankful for. Uh, things that I didn't like, but I'm grateful because of the lesson that I learned in dealing with those things. Right. Am I thankful for it? No, it sucked. You know, I just didn't like it. Uh, but I can be grateful for that thing. Okay. If you find things that you are not grateful for in your life, you must seriously ask yourself why you are bothering to have those things in your life. Uh, and so if you're sitting there repeatedly, you know, not only am I not thankful for this, but I am not grateful for it either. Change it. I don't really have any other thing to say <laughs> with regards to that. So you can spend a period of time. Five to 15 minutes is a good period of time spending that. This should be a relatively alone time because it's really you sitting down, learning to deal with the Tao itself. Just sitting back and saying, well, you know, I'm grateful for this and, and blah, 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 and blah. And you just work on through it. Blessing, you can think of this as having good wishes for others. For those of you that pursue a more monkly pathway, eventually you'll develop three tiers of blessing uh, that you can administer for others. The basis of which is uh, to have intense good wishes. And what that does is for that individual it creates an overall environment of uh, hopefulness and uh, uh, goodness for them. Uh, as you enter through the blessing process you actually begin to intermediate for that person and the Tao. Uh, which is uh, you must enter into quite seriously. Uh, so at the second tier, what you're really doing is you're intervening in what's called the Trinity, meaning heaven, earth, and man. Or heaven, man, and earth, I guess, would be the typical Trinity. Uh, and basically saying, you know, stepping up for the person and saying, this is a good person. Favor their choices have a good time with them, show them some good stuff. So you're the concierge of spirituality. Okay. The last level of blessing, you are directly intervening in the course of events and choices and powering their choice structure. So that's a karmic intrusion and it must be done cautiously uh, and requires you to have developed your blessing skill to a high level. Rarely will any priest issue this uh, degree of blessing.
because you can undertake part of the negative karma that the person has accumulated in the process. Uh, so it is not commonly done. And also because most people can't commonly do it. So The last one is the word against evil. This is in part, well it works for a variety of reasons, but this is in part a hearkening back to the Buffy the Vampire Slayer roots of Taoism. As the first root of Taoism was uh, people were being trained for supernatural contest, basically. They were supernatural warriors, and they intruded in the uh, basically the struggle of humans against supernatural beings to even the battle or to even the playing ground for humans. It was 10,000 years ago. Humans were not the dominant species and had no guarantee of survival. And part of that was because of predation uh, from supernatural uh, beings. And so the Taoists were originally trained and built for this particular function, to even the odds for humanity. Uh, so this is a leftover from this. But this is really also uh, a way of altering your choice structures for what we call good luck. Okay. Uh, so in the word against evil, basically this is basic, uh, if you were to use it as a ward, you use a simple phrase like, no evil shall enter. And you spend 5 to 15 minutes doing this. As you go along, you will develop better phrases uh, and better understanding of it. Again, it's a process that educates you as you go through. So the mind needs to be occupied with this process for this period of time, and the choice structures will be shaped in a certain way. So these become the three dominant invocations to start off with. So if you want something to do, you can work with these things. Uh, these will, in fact, change the way you interact with your environment. And strangely enough, this will improve your physical environment, which will educate you in all sorts of ways. You want to spend most of your time at the first level. Uh, and it's not really because one must be done before the other level. It's a matter of the first level is more productive than the second level. Like really the issue of stillness can't be thoroughly explored until a person has developed good calm. The issue of acceptance, that can be started at any particular time, but you can only do so many things at once. Okay. Uh, invocation, the only reason it's not really at the first level is because you can only have so many things at any given level. And plus you need to have, you, you really, if you're invoking and you're not altering your environment using basic hygiene, it means you're avoiding doing basic hygiene. Yeah, you, you, you gotta get past the whole avoiding basic hygiene issues first and start shaping your environment to remind you of practice. Once you've done that, then you can sit back and start shaping yourself to remind you of practice, and that's really the function of invocation. Uh, and so, but if you really feel driven, like you've got to run some gratitudes, run some gratitudes for a while. Or if you find yourself, your brain is just messed up with negative this or negative that, well, your solution is perhaps to run some gratitudes. So you can remember that you have things to be grateful for. And sometimes that might open the door for positive power if you're having a real trouble understanding what positive power is. So you have to mix it up a little. It's like we were saying earlier, not every method within the practice is going to be for you. You'll, have, you'll go through this, and some things, it's going to be the key. Like you're going to sit back and it'll be, you know, I really didn't get anything until I started sitting there and just working on blessing. 
And so I started blessing everything. And now I've like, I spend 20 minutes blessing my cup of tea. It's cold by the end, but man, does it taste good. Uh, and where is the hook for a given person? I don't know. Uh, that's why you have that range of, of practice available to you. Different things are going to make sense to different people. Uh, and you just have to pursue that particular thing. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Living the Tao, a spiritual podcast. In the next episode, Taoist master Michael Steenrod reminds us all that we are going to die. But don't worry about it yet. Until then, find much more on Taoism at thedaoismforthemodernworld.com. Thank you.